0: Hey, ladies, and welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am so glad you are here listening today. This is a podcast by a 20-something for 20-somethings in hopes that we can be encouraged, inspired, and challenged in this crazy time of life. So grab something refreshing and let's get going. Before we get started, I wanted to let you guys know that I've made a few updates to my Patreon page where you can receive Water with Lemon merch, you can receive early released episodes of my show. So if that's something that you'd be interested in, then go ahead and head to my Patreon page to see all of the different things that you could receive by being an exclusive member. Go check it out. Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. Today I am joined by Holly Christine Hayes, for a second time, to talk about The Sanctuary Project, which is a nonprofit selling jewelry created by and benefiting sex trafficking survivors. And Holly is the founder and CEO and was a sex trafficking survivor herself. And she shares her testimony and just the Lord's goodness over her life and the Sanctuary Project. It's such a story of redemption and rescue. And I just pray that our conversation truly blesses you today. So let's get going. Well, welcome back, Holly. I'm so excited to have you back on.
1: This is such a joy. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yes, I was Talking this morning with my mom, I was like, I'm so excited because you were seriously one of I still to this day will put you on my list of some of my favorite episodes that I've ever had. So
1: oh, that's really that's really sweet. What an it's honor. It's true.
0: Because people ask me all the time and I'm like, how can I narrow it down? You know, so but you make it.
1: Oh, <laughs> <Aww>, I'm honored. I <laughs> mean, you've interviewed some incredible, incredible stories and incredible people since the last time we talked. So that's even more of an honor.
0: Yeah, but you're included in those awesome people, (laughs) but tell us a little bit about what life is like for you these days.
1: So I'm uh, still founder and CEO of Sanctuary Project. If you didn't hear my last episode, go back and listen to every single episode of Water with Lemon, and <laughs> you'll <laughs> and you'll uh, hear mine in there. First that one, yes, <laughs> yeah. Start with mine, and then listen to every <laughs> single one in the middle. Um, so yeah, I'm founder and CEO of Sanctuary Project. We're a nonprofit social enterprise that employs women coming out of trafficking, violence, and addiction. We have a jewelry line, and um, we provide job training and employment, and build have built a community of survivors. So everyone on our staff is a survivor and, and uh, just has an incredible story of redemption. Uh, I too have a story of redemption. I'm a survivor myself and came out of that life 20 years ago and have just seen God do unbelievable things in redeeming every bit of my life and my past and my story. Today, I live on a little hobby farm with my my husband and our two-year-old daughter. She's almost two. She'll be two in July. And then our three cows, 10 goats, three dogs and 18 chickens. Oh my
0: goodness. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm pretty sure I only remember the chickens.
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel like the, the family, the family has expanded a lot. Quite since a bit. Last time we talked, I was yes, just a, and a child. Mom. I'm sure. Yes. So we've added a We added a human in there too, which is, which is, you know, even more work than all the others combined. Right. So, yes. Very yeah. True. We've added a wonderful human. And and that too is just part of the redemptive story God has had for my life, being able mm-hmm. to be become a mom and I just turned 41. And so to be a mom, you know, to become a mom at age 39 was really a gift and a blessing. Mm -hmm. And, and it's something I didn't know if I'd get to have. And so today I'm just so, um, so in awe of all God's done and and just feel Mm -hmm. so blessed and so gifted. And I look around at my, my beautiful life and think, I can't believe where I came from and where I get to be today Mm -hmm. as a result of his grace and mercy. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And i Every time I talk about, you know, having you on, it's just what an amazing story of redemption you have. And so maybe for those that didn't get to hear your first, our first episode, can you give them just kind of a snapshot of your story so they know where you're coming from?
1: Yeah, I grew up in a good home and um, kind of had all the resources someone would need to succeed in the world. Um, but in my, there was some sexual abuse in my childhood that led to some internalized trauma I didn't know I had. And, Mm -hmm. and then, um, that spiraled into an addiction in my, in my young teenage years that, that really led to a lot of consequences. And, um, you know, ultimately by, by the age of 15, I was drinking and using drugs every day by 16, I dropped out of high school by 18. I was getting arrested all the time. It was in and out of abusive relationships. Um, and at, at 19, I met my trafficker and I was trafficked between the ages of 19 and 21. Um, but I actually, uh, took it one step further and failed at being trafficked. So my, uh, I, I kept getting drunk and high and not showing mm. up for the jobs. My trafficker was lining up for me. I hated it and, mm. um, and just really wanted to do anything I could to escape. And so he ended up kicking me out. And at, at 21, I was homeless after being kicked out by my trafficker and, my family had tough loved me at that point. So I was, Mm -hmm. I was really on my own in the world and, and really hit bottom. And on February 10th of 2001, I was on the floor of a public bathroom and I was, I was just bawling and I was watching my tears hit the floor Mm -hmm. and, and three words fell out of my mouth. I just said, God help me. And I'd never believed in God. I had no experience with God. I didn't know any God people. I was not, um, I didn't grow up in a in a mm-hmm. faith filled home, and um, so I didn't even know what I'd said, you know. But it, but at the end of myself, it was all I could think to say or or ask or pray. And that very night, I ended up meeting someone who got me into a recovery program, and I've been sober since that day and mm-hmm. safe since that day. And and from that moment, really, just um, was gifted this whole new life.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so amazing, and so now to this day, you you've kind of turned. The page into um, helping girls like you who are coming out of that. And so, will you tell us a little bit more about Sanctuary Project?
1: Yeah. So, you know, early on in my recovery journey, I struggled a lot with employment. Mm-hmm. You know, having come from so much trauma and um, a lot of illegal activity, I had a criminal record. Mm-hmm. Um, and really just had low self-esteem or unemployment. You know, the problem mm-hmm. with being trafficked, the the problem with being trafficked, one of many so problems of with problems. being trafficked. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, one of the many problems of having been trafficked is that that employment itself is, is exploited and perverted in that mm-hmm. scenario. And so, you know, just the very act of work is trauma. And so going from work having been a trauma in uh, in sex work to trying to establish a dignified, meaningful career in anything, it just Mm -hmm. felt like too far a leap for me. And it took a lot of years to find that path and to, Mm -hmm. and to heal enough that I could um, be a good employee and, and and understand my value in a workplace and, and know my skills and gifts. And what I, what I wished I'd had in retrospect is a community to walk alongside me in that. Yeah. And, um, you know, in 2011, I was, um, I just started volunteering in the anti-trafficking community and was got, got really passionate about trafficking and about fighting trafficking. And, and I went to Thailand and visited an organization that was doing really wonderful work in the brothels in Thailand and, mm-hmm. and they, it's called nightlight and they were pulling girls out of the brothels and they were teaching them to make jewelry. Mm -hmm. And I, and I saw this model of women who had all survived a a common experience, a common trauma, sitting together in a community with one another and making beautiful things all day Mm -hmm. long. And there was this beautiful sense of, of, um, of self-esteem I saw being built as each time they completed a piece, they would hold it up and they would show each other and everyone would go, Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. And, Mm. and they, and I watched them sort of slowly starting to identify instead of being a beautiful thing that was for sale. I am someone who makes beautiful things. I'm someone who makes beautiful, Mm. things. someone who makes beautiful things. And that sense of identity just started shifting for these girls. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I really, I felt the call in that moment to building a community like that, Um, that was in 2011. And, and, you know, there's, there were several things I think I needed to walk through in my life in order to get to the point that I could actually start something on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, um, I had lived overseas for a while and, um, and, and just kept dreaming of this jewelry line, I just kept imagining this jewelry line where, I would pull from pieces of the sanctuary. I worked in in ministry. I was a worship leader for a church in Paris. And so I got to work in this like beautiful cathedral. It was like, I mean, it's stunning. Like we should link it in the show notes Mm because it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's such a spectacular. I bet. Well, because the church
0: is there, they don't pop them up in a year and a half. Oh, there you go. Here's a new (laughs) church. It's, they, you know, hundreds of years old usually.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and so much worship goes into even the construction of a sanctuary. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have like years of artisan work that goes into the building of this temple that is a sanctuary. And so I would just admire the stained glass windows and, and the marble pillars and the ceiling medallions and the way the light danced off the walls and the chandeliers and the way they hung and, I would imagine deconstructing this sanctuary into a jewelry line. Mm. And, um, and so it was, um, it was, so my husband and I ended up meeting and getting married in that time. And we got married in that church in Paris and, and then we moved back to the States. And when we moved back to the States, we moved to Austin, Texas, and I was trying to find uh, an organization anti-trafficking organization I could volunteer with when we first got here and really didn't find anyone doing the kind of work I had been doing. And, um, and that was when the Lord really told me, okay, this is it. This is your time. Um, remember that jewelry line and that call and, uh, everything you've been through and everything you wished you'd had, this Mm -hmm. is the time to build it. So I started sanctuary project in February of 2018. And, and it was really just me in the corner of my kitchen, learning how to make jewelry on YouTube. (laughs) And, And then it was me like, I mean, and then I, and then I just got um, wild and started hiring every survivor I knew, you know, so like I was going into the jail and girls two days out were coming and working with me. We have a little more boundaries around who we hire now, but <laughs> early on you it gotta was like start
0: somewhere you know yeah early on it was like,
1: do you have trauma? come work with me <laughs> and, <laughs> and that uh, I've, I learned some I learned some valuable lessons about just you know boundaries and and um and processes and mm-hmm and uh accountability and and uh and how to build a community that's safe for survivors because it's it's one thing to just go out and find as many survivors as you can and give them jobs but ultimately mm-hmm. what I wanted to create was a safe community for women to thrive and transform their lives and mm-hmm. so i had to learn those lessons early on that just because i have a whole bunch of survivors here doesn't mean that this is a safe community where women are transforming their lives. And in, right. in many ways, I I had to learn to steward a healthy community more than just a community of survivors. And mm-hmm. so that's been uh, an ongoing challenge and something I've learned a lot over over the years. But ultimately we've employed 28 women over the last three years and wow. and provided more than 16,000 hours of employment, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a gift. It's just a gift every day to get to see how um, I can use my life and my experience and the things I've walked through to, mm-hmm. to come alongside other women like myself.
0: Yes, it is so amazing. It's so cool to hear how it's grown. And, and in that you're coming out with a new collection, right?
1: We are constantly. Yeah. I mean, we're, we are constantly coming out with new collections this, this spring, we launched 57 new pieces over nine collections. Wow. So, Yeah. So we've had, um, we've just had unprecedented growth. We, we Mm -hmm. got picked up by target.com in the fall of last year. And so that's been really exciting. Yeah. So that's been really exciting because it's, um, it's been, uh, it's just, we've just seen rapid acceleration and growth Mm -hmm. and and it feels like I mean God opened a door that no man could open. That's with that. amazing. It's yeah. not something we could have gone after. Really, they came to us, and that was incredible. And um, and so as a result, we've we've had the opportunity to grow the line and and employ even more women. Um, and yeah, one of my favorite new lines we came out with this year was our Behind Bars collection. Mm. Um, really starting to have conversations around chronic incarceration because so many of our girls are coming out of incarceration and chronic incarceration and really struggling with all of the, um, all the issues, the systemic issues that Mm. lead to chronic incarceration. And I'm really passionate about people understanding the links between trafficking and incarceration. Um, as soon as someone has a record, they become very appealing to a trafficker because Mm. it can be so hard to reintegrate into society and traffickers know that. And so they're often going after those kids with a juvenile record or those young women who have a criminal record. Mm. And, um, you know, and that, and then that keeps them in those cycles of criminal activity and, and chronic incarceration and violence. And, Mm. and that's the story for so many of our ladies at sanctuary Project. So, um, so our largest new collection we came out with this spring was the behind bars collection Mm. that, um, that points to those issues. And, um, and it's a, a really sweet minimalist collection. So if you're a girl who mm-hmm. maybe doesn't like the statement jewelry as much, that mm-hmm. one's really dainty and minimalist. And it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's
0: true. <for> <laughs> I'm pointing to myself. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah. And that one's actually our lowest price point collection, too. So we wanted mm-hmm. to really make it accessible to girls at every, uh, to women and girls at every, um, every economic level of society. So yeah, mm-hmm. that check out that Behind Bars collection.
0: That's so cool. And, you're right. I was thinking about how there's, yeah, often this like line that gets very confusing between, you know, the trafficking world and then also, you know, criminal justice and how that all goes down and is very confusing. Um, and in the past, you know, year or so with everything that's been going on in the world, like what does that look like for your business in the sense of, you know, just the business aspect, but also with your girls and, you know, maybe even seeing um, either girls coming out of it or like how it's really impacted around Sanctuary Project.
1: Yeah, when COVID hit last year, Man, uh, you know, in one day we lost every stream of revenue before mm. COVID, and in, in in the before times, <laughs> <I've>... pre COVID, yes, <laughs> pre COVID, in the before times, I uh, so much of our business model was around doing pop up shops um, as a local vendor and all kinds of local craft fairs and things like that, and then um, and then doing events, fundraising events for the nonprofit side of our business. And so everything was event-based and all of a sudden overnight, we lost every stream of revenue because every single event was canceled mm-hmm. and we had to really pivot. And, um, you know, and I, I remember like the day that happened, it was like, okay, I, it was March 13th. You know, It was a Friday. It was like, it was, everything was looking like, you know, like everything was normal. It felt like before that, right? And yeah. then all of a sudden, like it felt like in one day, the entire world ended. Mm. And I remember looking at our bank account that day, and we had five weeks of um, sort of runway left in the bank account, it was Mm. $22,000. And at that point, I was employing seven women. Mm. And, um, and I, and I looked at the money we had. And I looked at the women I had on payroll, and I just started to cry. And I got on my Mm. knees. And I was like, what do I do? God? What do I do? Mm. And I remember in that moment, just feeling this, like, intense assurance from heaven that, um, one, I was not to let any, any woman go, that I was Mm -hmm. that I was to continue to employ every single one of them and trust him to provide. Mm -hmm. And two, that he loved them so much more than me and that he was so much more concerned with, with providing for them than I even was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and in the moment I'm feeling the weight of all of this as a business owner and the weight of, of all the love I have for them and him reminding me that, that he feels that weight so much more mm. was I think everything I needed to trust him. And in that, um, there was a, a period of about uh six to eight weeks where um every single day I had to trust him to provide. And I remember looking at the bank account all the time. Um, and it never dropped below $22,000 and it never went above $22,000 and wow. we kept making payroll and people were donating and we were making asks and we were selling jewelry and we were telling people, please buy online, please save our business. Please yeah. employ these girls. Please don't let us die. And, um, and it, and he just provided, I mean, it mm-hmm. was like, it was like manna from heaven every single day. We had just enough, and, um, you know, our, my church came alongside us and paid our rent for two months on our mm. office space. And there was, it was just such faithfulness from our community and such faithfulness from God. And at the end of that time, we went back and re we reopened our doors. And then right when we reopened our doors, um, that was in the end of May, the, um, the our payroll protection came through and economic disaster loan came through um and all at once and all of a sudden we had $220,000 in the bank account and it was wow. so cool cuz it was like he had literally just like 10xed it overnight yeah. i mean and it was wow. like exactly it, it was it was so beautiful it was like it felt like him just saying like well done good and faithful servant thank you for trusting yeah. me thank you for staying the course thank you for not letting one of my my precious lambs go astray, you know, thank Mm -hmm. you for not letting anyone fall.
0: Mm -hmm. And, um,
1: you know, and then here's the provision that you need Mm -hmm. to get through this next season. And and
0: immeasurably more,
1: (laughs) 10 times more. And it was funny because and the Lord had given us Ephesians 3:20 in the start of the year as our theme mm. verse for the year, the the immeasurably more. Yes. And we'd even planned this Ephesians 3:20 luncheon for March 20th that had Whoa. to be canceled because of COVID. Aww. And so it was it was like, wait, you're canceling our like our our commitment right. to Ephesians 3:20. Like, how can you do that? <laughs> he's but like, no, let me
0: show you. <laughs> he's like, let me let
1: you live Ephesians 3:20. Okay, girl. Like, let's take it off your branding and put it in your yeah. life. <laughs> Yeah, it's
0: not going to be lunch, it's going to be breakfast, lunch, dinner for the next 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly, yes, completely. And yeah, I mean, it just we have lived it, we've lived it this year. And then, I mean, talk about exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. It was coming out of that season 2 that target picked us up and so in you know in may we came back in june i signed contracts with target you know it was just like one wow. thing after the next and then causebox box picked us up to be in their in their winter box and so i think it was july we were signing contracts with causebox and wow. moving forward on a on a massive um, product deal with them and and it was just like one thing after the next and it just um we actually our our revenue more than tripled um, in 2020 over the year before. And so it's pretty special. It was a pretty special time to just see God's faithfulness to his people. And, and, you know, and, and we were, um, we were obedient in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the encouragement I have to anyone who has kind of a God-sized dream or is stewarding a God-sized mission or vision is that, that being obedient and trusting him that there's fruit there. And, Mm -hmm. um, and he wants to show off you know he wants he wants his people to have testimonies like this to share because yes. it makes him look good you know like yes. we thought we were dead and and now we're in target like that <laughs> makes him that makes him
0: look good dead and now alive <laughs> yeah that is so amazing and so cool to see i mean yeah literally showing you Ephesians 320 and yeah. just walking with you through that and then going i can do way more than you You can ask or think of. And that is just so amazing. I'm so excited for you guys, because that's incredible. So through that, have you been able to add on more women as well in the last year, which is like the opposite of what you think is happening to businesses or what I mean, it is happening businesses, but especially smaller businesses, you think they're having to lay off not bring in more.
1: Yeah. We hired 10 new women in, uh, in 2020. So yeah, it's incredible. I mean, we, um, we've just been, we've just been so blessed and Mm -hmm. uh, two of our, two of our women bought their first homes last year, you know, I mean, we've we've gotten to see such incredible fruit from all of that. And I think that's, what's best about it. It's like, it's all well and good to be a successful business. Yay. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. thanks God. But but when I see the fruit of it in the lives of the women we employ, when I see them moving into a new home that they bought, when I see mm. them, um, you know, being able to afford to finish their college degree, when I see them, it's, it's silly, but even when I see them buying new clothes or like, mm-hmm. you know, being able to, uh, buy a new car, like one of our girls just bought a new car. Like when I see wow. that stuff, it is that to me is actually, um, so much bigger than like having a successful business because Mm -hmm. we, those little things, I mean, they're not little things, right. Buying a home, buying a car, those things are the, are the sort of milestones that we're, I'm able to, to use to measure, like this is making a real impact on their lives. These are women who should be in jail, who should be dead, who should be, you know it, uh, reliant on the system, you know, mm-hmm. living on welfare, um, accepting government aid, but instead they're buying their own homes, they're buying their cars, they're buying new clothes. they're working for a jewelry brand they love and mm. um, and are proud of. They're moving into executive positions within our company and mm. taking on responsibilities that make them feel um, like a part of something and feel, Uh, and feel motivated to grow in their careers. And those things are so beautiful to me. Those things really are the best part of the work I get to do.
0: Yes. And that's so cool to hear. Have you, have you noticed also, you know, within your company, um, you know, obviously with a foundation of faith, like girls coming to know the Lord through working for you,
1: yeah, you know, we don't make it a requirement um, for someone to have a faith uh, mm-hmm. or at all, really, a, and certainly not a faith like mine in Jesus um, to come and work for us. Right. But what's what's sweet about our community is that it's a place where um, where women are going to experience the love of Christ, and they're going to um, they're they're going to find out what has saved me, what and what has saved a lot of the other women who work with us. Um, I've had the honor of baptizing two of the women who've worked with us, and wow. um, and and what's so cool about those stories is that I never, I don't set out. And this might be maybe I'm a bad Christian. I don't set out to evangelize. I never do. I have to trust that God loves these women far more than I do. So I I never have a conversation with a woman in our care that goes something like, you know, do you know. <laughs> Do, do you know that to your core that you're a sinner? Do you know that Christ died for you? Like, I don't, I don't do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe all those things for myself. And I live from a place of, um, of Christ likeness as much as I can. And um, I share my redemption story and my faith openly. But I, I really feel strongly that it's the Holy Spirit that has to draw someone to himself. Mm -hmm. And I hope he uses me to do that. Um, But I also want to be so careful with um, people have church hurts and they have, they have religion hurts. And I, you know, even for myself, like, you know, I, I, I could not have accepted Christ early in my recovery journey. I, it took me a lot of years of of needing to just heal from some of my trauma before I would have been open to a gospel message. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be careful never to push a gospel message on someone before they're ready for it. Mm -hmm. Because I really believe that the Holy Spirit has to prep a heart and has to sort of till the soil. And if if my job in their life is just to be part of the heart prep and tilling of the soil, great. If my Mm -hmm. job in their life is to is to actually lead them to that decision, great. If, if I have the honor of baptizing them, amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. But, I, but I can't make that my job. And I can't make that a uh, measure of whether we're succeeding or not, because mm-hmm. I know that he is so madly in love with every single girl who works at sanctuary project and has mm-hmm. ever worked at sanctuary project mm-hmm. and i know he's madly in love with every single girl who's being trafficked right now and i know he's mm-hmm. madly in love with every single addict who's on the streets right now and i have to trust that he is so madly in love with with humanity enough that he will draw people to himself and that he will prompt me to be um his his instrument and his voice however and whenever he needs me to be yeah. Yeah, so it's different, you know, it's not I'm not I'm not that. Like I think we're all evangelists in different ways and using our own mm-hmm. giftings, right? right? And I think I my agree. life mm-hmm. my life can't help but evangelize because if you ask me what happened, I'm like, well, I was dead, I was homeless, I was addicted. I said God help me, I got saved. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I can't help but evangelize in some ways, but also mm-hmm. um, but I also feel very called to do it very softly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's amazing because you're right. Like we in ourselves in and of ourselves, don't have the power to change hearts, and that yeah. I bet could be a really hard place to be in if you were constantly like, "Oh, I just need to figure out how to change these girls' hearts," you know. But yeah, you, and I've you seen don't her. have that power. Yeah,
1: I've yeah, and I've seen that. I've seen I've seen other nonprofits um, mm-hmm. with that agenda um, really beat women down, you know, I think, and I think we have to be so careful in any kind of charity work or in any kind of nonprofit work or, um, in any work with, with those, the church would deem the lost or the broken. And I put those Mm -hmm. in air quotes because, this is like, there's this good Samaritan idea in the church of like, I'm going to be the hero and I'm going to go right. in and I want, I feel so called to the broken and I feel so called to the lost and I want to save Which them all. It's
0: all of us. Yes. it's all of us. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yes, I mean, like, you know, when I hear that, I'm like, well, what are you then you're the found and the perfect, like, what, what do you mean? Like, come on. Like yeah. if you yeah. believe in the gospel message that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that, none is righteous except Christ and, mm-hmm. you know, and we are only saved by, by the blood of Christ, then, then what are you doing thinking that, you know, that you're going to save the lost and the broken. Mm-hmm. And so I think I get frustrated sometimes with that sort of hero mentality of I'm going to go yeah. in and I'm going to get all these girls saved and I'm going to bring them the gospel. Cause mm-hmm. I think, you know, I mean, the gospel met me on the floor of a, a, a very dirty public bathroom without right. any person. Around right, yeah. so we have to trust that our God is big enough to to meet someone and does not need us involved whatsoever. And so, if He is inviting us to be involved, I would hope that He's inviting us to be involved as just a loving presence and a mm-hmm. safe place, and a, and to sit on the mercy seat and to and to walk with women wherever they're at and to love them whether they make a decision for Christ or not, because. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I can tell you that I do not love the two I baptized more than the 20, you know, 26 I didn't, (laughs) right? Right. Like I, I, there's no, there cannot be this like, well, I, if if you're in Christ, then you're, then I love you more or you're better Mm -hmm. or you get more. Like it can't, you can't go into this work with that mentality because Mm -hmm. ultimately there's, you're just not going to, people feel that agenda, I think, you know, know? they feel that. And they'll run from it if they have any sort of spiritual trauma
0: mm-hmm. or feel like because they've had to please and go along with what I've, whatever they've been asked, the opposite could be. They just feel like they have to, which isn't also isn't a genuine, you know, decision. That is for such Christ. a good
1: point. That, that's such a good point, Emma. I mean, I think mm-hmm. like the, you know, there is this sort of people pleasing personality that can fall into a trafficking scenario And and there is a sort of, um, complacence that you, that you get to, it's Mm -hmm. like this place you, you can go to where you disassociate from your actual desires or wants or needs and just accept whatever's happening to you. And so if the aid is coming from a a Christian and they're saying, you need to believe these things in order to receive the aid, they'll be like, okay, whatever I have to do. Right. Because that's what we did before. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know that compartmentalized place. Um, I went there recently during a root canal (laughs) and I was like, this is what's happening to me. It was crazy. It was like, this is what's happening to me right now. Mm -hmm. I need to just accept it. And it was like, I felt this thing come over me that was very similar to Mm -hmm. that, like that, you know, that, that, Energy of I'm, you know, I'm having to perform this sex act that I'm not Mm -hmm. okay with. Right. I -hmm. mean, it was, (laughs) it's funny to talk about, but like, but there is this place you go to when you're experiencing pain or discomfort or or something that you're not okay with, but you can't do anything about it. So you just shut down Mm. and, uh, and allow that thing to happen to you. And I think you're, I think that's so you're so right on that, that, that exact thing can happen even with a spiritual life. If Mm -hmm. you're not careful, because a girl who's used to that will just say, okay, well, this is the, this is what I have to do to get my needs met. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To get my needs met. Right. And to be okay. Mm -hmm. And if I have to say the right thing and say, I'm a Christian and Mm -hmm. go along with your program, then I'll do it to, um, to be okay. And so we don't, we want them to actually get in touch with their genuine feelings and a genuine spirituality, a genuine connection to God, however they understand God and, um, and then share our experiences with God, how we have, we've understood God and, Mm. um, and, and really open dialogue and, um, and be a safe place that can model who we believe Christ is as a safe place. Mm.
0: I love that. And that's how it should be. It's like (laughs) you love first, right? Because without that, with, with an agenda or with, um, feeling like they have to make a decision, it's like, you're not, that's not going to work, you know, especially with girls that have been hurt. So, so badly, you know, it's like, first it's like, you have to earn trust and you have to earn, you know, the fact that you just love them and aren't using them to, uh, come to the Lord while that can be a great burden and that can be a great thing to desire and pray for them, um, but not push them towards it. And so that's really awesome. And I just love hearing about your company and what you guys are doing there. Um, just incredible. So thank you for sharing all that with us.
1: Of course. It's an honor.
0: Yes. So let me ask you a couple more questions before we go. More, more fun questions.
1: Okay. I'm ready. So are you sure? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always ready to transition from talking about trauma to fun stuff.
0: Right, I have, very you have to have very a easy
1: transition. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay, cool.
0: Now, <laughs> what are you reading, listening to, watching any of the above?
1: So I'm I'm writing right now. And when I'm writing, I can't read other stuff. And so I'm just I'm just reading scripture. I um I have found that I am healthiest. I am my best self when I am reading only scripture. Yeah. And um I have so many friends who are wonderful Christian authors and there are so many great books out there. Um, Mm -hmm. and I love to support my friends who write, but I also I'm an Enneagram three, I'm an achiever, and when I read, you know, any any books really, I, I'm like, I get stuck in my head with like, Oh man, this is so much better than I could ever write or, Mm. or, um, or this sucks. How did they get a book deal? I mean, that's terrible, right? Like, but you know what I mean? Like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm constantly in my head because Mm -hmm. I'm in this industry. And, um, and so what I've found is healthiest for myself is there are 66 perfect books have ever been written. True. Um, true. And and you I like can't, to, stick you to can't those. judge those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't. I mean, <laughs> they they are they are like um they are living water for my brain. And mm-hmm. they are um and uh they're a meditation for me. The scriptures are um alive for me and they're um and they're healing and um and and there's endless newness in them. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've read um I've read all of scripture um more than once, like gone through, you know, the whole Bible more than mm-hmm. once, but every time I go back to any piece of it, there's something new there. Right. And I'm amazed constantly. Wait, was that always in First Peter? Like, did it always say that? <laughs> like why am I just now saying that? Right. Yeah. Just little, little phrases, words, um, you know, will jump out in new ways. And mm-hmm. uh and that's what that's what I need. Um what am I listening to? I am I'm really into the Enneagram. And so I'm listening a lot to like Enneagram stuff. So like typology podcast and yeah. your Enneagram coach. I love that stuff. I and mm-hmm. I love understanding, I love understanding the Enneagram, especially for working with my employees. And yeah. And, and the more I understand their types, the better I feel I'm able to manage them and and walk yeah. alongside them.
0: That's cool. Yeah that's, I bet that's a game changer to kind of just see where they're coming from in a lot
1: of Mm -hmm. So it was, what are you reading? What are you listening to? And then there was something else. And
0: watching.
1: Oh, what am I watching? I'm always Mm -hmm. watching HGTV. (laughs) I am like, I probably am addicted to HGTV, Emma. Like it's fine. It's no, but like, is it? Cause at the end of the day, like (laughs) I put my baby to bed at like, we put her to bed at like seven and then I get in my pajamas and I watch HGTV until I fall asleep at like, like eleven o'clock at night or whatever. Like I, I mean, it's somewhat educational. So yeah, but like you know, what am I doing with that education? Like I, I, <laughs> like I have a, I actually have a stack of shiplap in my garage that we never installed. You know, like I'm, <laughs> i I'm, I'm doing nothing with it. I'm just like massively consuming <laughs> information about house renovation that I never use. So yeah, <laughs> maybe I, I don't one day know.
0: though, and it's like you're storing it up for later.
1: Yeah. I could be storing it up for later. I mean, I, I am a real estate investor and I've definitely done flip projects over the years and stuff. And we have a few investment properties. And so I, I joke that it's, that I don't learn anything, but in some ways I also see how it feeds this addiction I have to like investments and and to my like real estate Mm My real estate work, and um, you know, because I'll watch like I'll watch house hunters, and they'll be in Kentucky or something, and I'm like, I need an investment property in Kentucky, you know? Like, <laughs> I just like I, t- I it, it makes me covet. It makes me like I you know like I uh, like this weekend I was watching House Hunters International Life in the Mediterranean, and I was like, I don't oh. have any properties on the Mediterranean. You definitely, like, <laughs> I d- definitely. Now I need a property in Malta. <laughs> like, crazy. I mean, like normally people covet like I don't know notebooks or like clothes I covet like real estate in in crazy right. places Homes.
0: yeah yeah uh-huh. it,
1: it, seriously yeah. I mean and I'm kind of the same way with like I don't buy things for myself like I don't yeah. I've bought like one new handbag over the last 10 years you know and like but then I've bought like four four properties four vacation properties you know <laughs> literally anytime Mm -hmm. I have any capital free, I'm like buying investment properties. Yeah. Maybe
0: I shouldn't encourage you. I know. I need to, thank you.
1: I need to tone it down because it's it's (laughs) out of control. I just can't stop (laughs) reading the Bible and buying investment properties.
0: (laughs) I mean, there's a balance there. Yeah, (laughs) It's all about balance. (laughs) I love it. And lastly, what is refreshing you? Anything just bringing you life right now besides HGTV?
1: Yeah, Oh, my family, my sweet, sweet family. We do these little family walks, and I live on this beautiful property, um, mostly inspired by the HGTV shows I watch, (laughs) and and we um, and we have animals and stuff. And so, you know, we um, at the end of the day, um, both my husband and I work full time, and um, and and we're we're very busy and. Our daughter is, uh, is in, in preschool. And at the end of the day, we all come home together and we'll do these little family walks around the property and we'll feed the chickens and, um, and we'll, uh, and and we'll, we'll play with the cows and the goats and walk up to the mailbox and get the mail. And just being Mm -hmm. outside with my family on these family walks at the end of the day is my happy place. That is Mm -hmm. the thing that refreshes my soul, my soul. Mm-hmm. I just think of, of Psalm 23, that, um, the, that green pastures and still waters and, um, and the rest for my soul that, that I need to, to kind of keep going and do the hard mm-hmm. work he's called me to. Mm-hmm.
0: That's awesome. I love that. And maybe jump in the pool that
1: I'm seeing behind you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know it's like beckoning, isn't it? Yes. And it's been raining here for like it's been raining for like a week yeah. and a half straight, and it finally didn't rain today. And so, I yeah, know. I might I might go out there tonight. You can come over. Yeah, can a little I drive, be but there yes, in a few hours. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Emma and uh, I will be in the pool. While yes. You're listening this. yes.
0: <laughs> Honestly, though, <that> sounds great. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on today, Holly. It was a joy, even round two. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yes. You guys, I am just so thankful for Holly and her love for these women, but even more so the Lord in just giving Holly this vision and sustaining her mission. He cares for his creation and provides for his people so abundantly. And I pray that you're reminded of his goodness in your own life. So love y'all. Stay fresh, my people.